So, how many of you here believe in predestination? Okay, I'm going to get more hands out of here out of here today. Some of you are saying, "What? No, this can't be." I believe in predestination. You know why? It's biblical, and here's why. When we hear the word predestination, it is often believed or tied in with the definition of that everything that you will do has been laid out for you and you have absolutely no choice. Right? That is usually the definition of of how people use predestination. That is usually how we often, when we hear the word predestined, it means that you were supposed to be where you were at and you had absolutely no choice in the matter. That is how we usually hear and how most people interpret that word to be defined as. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is my, by far my favorite book of the Bible. Oh, what about Revelation with all that? Yeah, it's good. It's great. I love it. But if I could condense the whole Bible into one book, for me, that is the book of Ephesians. Okay? It is the book of Ephesians. So I invite you to come with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through, it should be 14, not 4. And you're going to see here on the screen, and you will not be able to read it. So I invite you to uh, go back one, please. Um. I invite you to open your phones, go to your Bible app, because you're not going to be able to read that on the screen. I did this intentionally, okay? For those of you that are tuning in online, I'm sorry if you see this, you're like, what? Pull out your Bible. We need to get into the Word. So let's go. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, it says, Paul, an apostle, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you have an NIV, ESV, that's okay. The, the Message Bible, that's okay. Can, even the King James Version, that's okay too. But here's, what, here's how I'm reading from the New King James Version. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Already, Paul is already saying that there was something in the works for him in God's plan. Okay, it's, all, it's embedded, it's understood in this sentence. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. That's another sermon in, in, in of itself right there. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him. And here's here's a mind-blowing fact. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Let me just open parentheses. This is not a sermon on perfectionism. Okay? I'll get to that at some point here in the future when I do a series just on the book of Ephesians. But here we see, right here in these opening verses, again, continuing to verse 5, having predestined 
How many times have you seen the word predestined already? Twice. To adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Notice, notice the intentionality of Paul's words here in this very, very few verses that we've just read. He's saying that in the, before the foundation of the world, when was the foundation of the world established? <laughs> you guys have no idea. <laughs> I don't either, because it was before creation, before the foundation of the world. In other words, before we even were around, before this world was created in its fullness, in its glory, without sin, without blemish, God had already said, I am going to destine these, my intention and the intention for creating this world and these people is that they are going to be different. They are going to be already predestined for the adoption. Now, you have to, you have to read into this a little bit more. is because to be adopted, you have there, there's a, a pre-existing condition for you to become adopted. The condition is that you do not belong to a family to which you will be adopted to. Which means that God already knew when he created us, and if we read the, the story of, uh, of humanity in the Bible, especially the way that it's outlined in the book of Revelation, is that before the foundation of the world, and Paul is highlighting this here, God knew we were going to have the challenge of dealing with sin. Well, why did God create us in the first place? Might be a question that you ask. One, we know the Bible says God is love and that he loved us before we were even born. So if God is love, it means that in order he's not going to put us into a world that will become sinful without an exit plan. So before the foundation of the world was established, Paul is saying here that the plan of redemption was also established. Before you were even born, before you and I were conceived, before we could even think, our parents could even think of bringing us into the world, there was already a plan established for me to become adopted. Now what's interesting is that in, in Paul being a dual citizen, how many of you here are dual citizens? Canada doesn't count. I'm just joking, I'm just joking, I'm just joking, I'm just joking, okay? I'm a dual citizen. In other words, I have a citizenship for the United States, and I have a citizenship for Brazil. I can travel freely between those two countries. Okay? But Paul is saying here that an adoption means that you become part. And him being a dual citizen, of he was a Jew and he was also a Roman. And by being a Roman, it gave him complete control. 
of his own destiny, per se. Here's what I mean. When you become adopted, and Paul's using the language here that comes from more specifically when you were a slave and you are adopted into a Roman family, you are no longer a slave. Your past history is gone, and you now have the full benefit of all Roman citizens. So when Paul is saying that you are adopted, and and at his time it was significant because Rome... Empire, Roman Empire, they rule the world. And so for you to be a part of a Roman Empire, it means that you had access to the entire world. You had the privileges of a Roman citizen that others did not. And Paul is saying that when you become adopted, and he understood this literally because he was dual citizenship. Dual citizenship. And he's equating this privilege with us. We are... We have been predestined. God chose us so we could be part of his family before we were even conceived. Before you were even born, God said, okay, I know you're going to live and you're going to struggle and have the challenge of dealing with sin, yet, yet without removing the freedom of choice. Because predestination in its Calvinistic form removes your power and your freedom to choose. In other words, you are predestined. Either whatever you do, you are going to heaven or or not. In the Calvinistic way. But not here. Not in this. Not according to this. Because predestination is not about you being saved. Hey, Pastor Art, you just contradicted yourself. You're talking about being predestined to become part of a family. Yes, God has established the plan for that, but you still get to choose. You still get to choose if you want to be a part of that plan or not. But Paul doesn't stop here. Let us us keep going. Notice all this has been done in the past for us. Now he's, the language shifts into more of a present tense. In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he has made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasures which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one of all things which both, which are in heaven and which are on the earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, here's that word again, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be, in, should be to the praise of his glory. In him... You also trusted after you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, with whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Man, this is heavy. There is so much to unpack here. I don't have the time for it today. 
I promise you, I will do a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. But I want to focus on those words that are in yellow. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I was having a conversation with, with Steve some time ago, and I brought this, this concept up. He's like, whoa, whoa, come back. I, what? Have you paused to think the importance of this statement in your own personal life? That before you were born, God chose you. Before you were born, there was a plan for you to come to him. There was a plan for you to have access to him. Before you even thought about any spiritual things at all, God had laid the, the foundational root for you to be a part of his family. Before any of it. And if you haven't stopped to think about that, because what that does, is it places value in you as an individual. So if you were picked on, if you were bullied, if you, if you were despised, if you were discriminated against, none of that influences your worth before God. Because you are worth the of Him. You are special. You know, we tell our kids, oh, you're special. But before God, you're more than special. You are so valuable. You are invaluable because he gave his life for each and every one of us. The second part of this is the adoption. Predestined us for adoption. I kind of briefly talked about this. Paul knew exactly the significance of this to be a part of God's family. No one tells you, he, God does, is not going to force himself upon anybody. He's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. I was asked the question, well, Pastor Art, why is it that the angels, why aren't they going to be saved? And that's because they were given the opportunity to choose. If you read in the Bible, it says that there was war in heaven, and I believe that there was, there was war in heaven twice. One, before creation, and two, at the ascendancy of Jesus. And we can talk about that afterwards. But there was war in heaven. Why? Because the angels chose to side with Lucifer, who became Satan. When you choose out of your own volition to side with the enemy, your fate is sealed. I'm not going to say it's sealed. It's pretty much guaranteed. And so when you choose not to, not to side with God, it becomes difficult for him to convince you otherwise. Right? When you make that choice, this is what Jesus is referring to, sinning against the Holy Spirit. There is no forgiveness. When you choose to side intentionally and you say, okay, no longer. I saw, I was watching, a, you know, I like to watch YouTube videos on, on, on from time to time. And there are these two kids. I'm not going to say who they are. 
they're famous for their knuckleheadedness. I think I just need to do that. But in one of these videos, they said, yeah, I, I sold my soul so I could become famous. When you, when you willingly choose, you are closing the chapter of the book of life. There's another okay occurrence here for predestination. Predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What is it? According to the purpose of him. What is God's purpose? What's the, what's the point behind all of this? So we know that God created, he predestined us, he gave us a path to, to become united with him. What is the purpose and for which we are predestined? You, there has to be a, a, a sense for all of this. So if we have been given this opportunity to come to God, is it just so we can become saved? No. Open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. You know, I was reading, um, it's good to go back to the early books in, of the Old Testament. And just to re-familiarize ourselves with what's written in there. And so we, you know, you've heard me talking about the, the, the sermon series, Surprise Your World. This is number three on that series. And we talked about being a blessing, right? Let's look at this. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This is the very first time God calls a name, a, a gentleman by the name of Abram, who will later become Abraham. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. Let me ask you a question. When you hear and, and you read this, these three verses, what jumps out at you? Bless, right? But who does the blessing here? God does the blessing, but you will have to know that every time God calls somebody, and, and blesses them, there is a condition tied to it. It's hidden. It's right there, hiding in plain sight. The Bible says here in verse 2, very last sentence, it says, and you shall be a blessing. God doesn't call you to be saved as a means to an end. God calls you to be saved so that you can be a blessing to others. Paul will, excuse me, Abraham or Abram was not going to receive any of this if he wasn't going to be a blessing. It's part of the package. God doesn't just call you to be saved and be part of his kingdom so you can sit in the corner and just say, hey, great, great to be here. A pleasure to be here. 
God calls you so that you can be a blessing. And if you read the account later in, in the story of Abraham, he becomes a blessing because he goes out and he defends people. He saves, he goes to rescue his, his nephew. And the more I think about this, when he bargains with God about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, it wasn't for the fact that he knew that there was only four righteous people. It was for the, I believe it's because he wanted the opportunity for those people to come back to God in a relationship. You think about this. God said he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because he couldn't even find, if he couldn't find 50, and he windled it down all the way down to 10. And he couldn't even find them. He wasn't trying to give God a lessons on ethics. He wasn't trying to convince God that he was unfair. But when it comes to being a blessing, we are more concerned with, the, with our neighbor who's sitting down across from us, next to us, in front of us, behind us, and getting to know that they have been put in God's path for the purpose of being a blessing so they can be adopted as children of the family of God. You are ha- you've been called to be a blessing. You have been called. You have been called so you could be that blessing. But how, how are you going to be a blessing? I can't tell you that. Some of you are like, oh, come on, Pastor. Give me that formula. You know, if there was a formula, we, it'd be easy. Because we could just say, been there, done that, check, done. But it's not that easy. How are you a blessing? How are you a blessing? You will be a blessing, Paul, uh, God says to Abram. You will be a blessing. If I told you today that you will be a blessing this week, the first question you will ask me is, well, how? I don't know. Perhaps God will give you opportunities to do that. Perhaps God will give you the chance to help somebody, to love on somebody, to talk to somebody, to give to somebody. I don't know. But to be a blessing is implied that you do not sit and wait for the world to pass you by for Jesus to come. It means that you are working. It means that you are helping. You are directing. You are allowing yourself to be a vessel in God's hand. How are you going to be a blessing this week? This is what BLESS, if you saw the acronym during announcements, is designed to, to help us with, excuse me, designed to help us with. Understand how to be a blessing. But I also want you to know something else, too. You can't be a blessing out of the blue. 
In other words, you don't all of a sudden start becoming blessful. It takes practice. It has to be a habit. It's not something you just say, oh, today I'm going to be a blessing. Okay, how? You don't know. Or maybe the opportunity for you to be a blessing to somebody is not the, the opportunity, is not how you envision or is expecting to be a blessing. But God knows. You have to be in tune with God. You have to be listening to his direction. You have to be connected with God. And this is what the call right here the ver- in Abram's life is about. God is calling Abram to come out where from his family, from, from his environment, from the land that he knows, so he could establish a connection, a relationship with God in order for him to become a blessing. So this morning I want to close and I want to invite you guys to think about this particular question. How are you going to be a blessing to those around you that you may help them find their identity in Jesus Christ, that they are part of the family of God, or that God wants them to be a part of his family. How are you going to be a blessing? I don't know what that's going to look like for you this week. I don't know what your ideas of becoming a blessing is, I I promise you this, it's mind-blowing. Because God's plan for your life is much bigger than what you can imagine, is much much deeper than, than you can think of, and it's much more satisfying than you can ever imagine. May God bless you.